Good morning, Impact City. Good morning. We're so glad that you're here. Please take your seats for just a few moments. All right, we're in week six of our series, Freedom. Um, I am a communication studies major, and in the communication realm, you'll have informative speaking, uh, you'll have persuasive speaking, you'll have impromptu speaking, um, and then you'll have how-to. And I'm particularly excited about this series because this is a how-to. Uh, as I've mentioned before, we talk about we're free in Christ. Uh, but this dives deep into how do we get there? How do we get there? Because we know that we're free, but yet we struggle in certain areas of our lives. And we struggle with certain habits and, and disciplines. And, and, and maybe that that has been a part of who you are. It's part of your DNA. But it does not mean that we can't break that in Jesus' name. Amen? It doesn't mean that we can't break that in Jesus' name. We know that there is power in his name, there's power in his blood, and there is nothing that is difficult for us to be able to overcome. So we're excited to jump into this. It's a life of surrender. It's in the Version app. We're going to be reading out of Proverbs chapter 3, verses 5 through 6. And we'll dive right in. One of my favorite passages is, is this. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. And lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, submit to him, and he will make your paths straight. Amen? Amen. When you think of the word surrender, think about that for just a few minutes. And, and what does that look like to you? What does that look like to you on your level? Because the truth is that for me, it has somewhat of a negative connotation. Uh, when, when we think of a something that is taking place or playing out on a military field and, and there is a certain army that surrenders. It is a sign of weakness. It could be a sign of defeat. Um, so that is how many of us in this place maybe connect uh, what is surrender. It could be maybe a white flag that is waving or, or throwing in the white towel. Um, however, when we surrender our lives to Christ, it, it is not like that. We don't have to associate it in that manner. We don't have to look at it that particular way because the act of giving up to him, giving up control to him is actually freeing by itself. Amen. The act of giving up control to him is freeing for you and for me in and of itself. I don't have to worry about it. I don't have to figure it out. I just have to be still and know that he is God. I have to remember the words of Moses when they fought, uh, when they're in Exodus chapter 14 and they're right before the Red Sea. He said, stand still and, and see the, the battle, see the victory that the Lord will give to us. The Lord will fight for us and we shall be still. Those are some encouraging and some inspiring words to know that I am in the midst of all chaos and there is all types of things breaking loose in my life. But if I can just stand still and see the salvation of the Lord, that knowing that he can do it better than I can, knowing that he can work it out better than I ever could, you could call on your closest friends. It doesn't matter their background, their education, or their expertise. It doesn't amount to 
to the power and to the knowledge that we have in having a God who is our refuge, our strength, who is an unshakable and unmovable force in the world that we live in. So when when surrendering our lives to him, it is just actually the beginning of being able to experience freedom in who God is. Because the truth is that a life of surrender requires trust. And that trust is developed in the context uh, of a relationship. Once you get to know somebody, you begin to trust them more. Once you begin to communicate and you understand their background, you understand their philosophy, they open up to you, you open up to them, you begin, the trust is built, that bridge is there. But you, you, it's hard for us to trust him if we don't know him. Amen. It's hard for us to trust him if we don't know him. Think of it this way. Would you allow a stranger to care for your children and just let them into your house to watch over your home while you're out on vacation? Of course not, because trust is earned. So until you have an understanding of the person's character, amen, until you have an understanding of the person's character, it is hard to trust him or her with something of value. I'm grateful that I know his character. Aren't you grateful that you know his character? Amen. In order to surrender our lives to God, we must believe that he is good. And we must believe that he is worthy of our trust. We must believe that he undoubtedly, undoubtedly is who he says he is. So for many of us in this place today, that is easier said than done. And it's often due to the doubt or the disappointment from past experiences that we have dealt with, that we have been exposed to. It could even be dealt, it could even trace back to past experiences with churches and church people who have done us wrong on certain occasions. And we have that negative connotation. There's people in this world that will not come to church because of the experience that they had in a church long ago. Our hearts cannot become weary and hardened by such things because negative experiences always will occur. It's part, of, it's part of our life. But there is hope. There is hope in Christ that we can begin to trust Jesus when we understand what he did for us. When we understand what he did for us, the price that he paid for us, the love that he has for us, we can learn to trust him. He left heaven and he, he came to earth. He felt hunger. He felt hurt. He felt rejection. He was beaten. He was crucified. But three days later, amen, he rose from the grave. He did it all so that he could prove his love to you. Amen. So, so that the record would be set forevermore, that there is no place that he will not go, that there is no sinner that he does not love, that there is nothing that you and I have experienced in our lives, that he doesn't have power to break the bondage over. It doesn't matter if it has been a stigma, if it has controlled your life because of what you went through, there is a love and there is a power that supersedes all of that, and it is the power of God. He did it all so he could have a relationship with us. And if you want to get to know God better, you will need to do your part. You will need to do your part in getting to know him as a friend. Do you spend time with him? It doesn't have to look a, a specific or certain way, but the key is to invite him into your life. 
Are we living that type of life that we invite him? Because the Bible tells us, or we understand, should I say, that the Lord will reveal himself to you as you do things that feed your spirit. Are we feeding our spirit like studying the word, like seeking him in prayer, like living a life of devotion, like building relationships with like-minded friends? This is what the Bible says in Isaiah chapter 55, verse 9. For just as the heavens are higher than the earth, so my ways are higher than your ways and my thoughts are higher than your thoughts. Are we understanding that today that that when we ask God for an answer, it may not always look the way we want it, but it it doesn't mean that there is an answer. You may ask God for a tree and he may give you a seed, but but the tree, what you have been praying for is in that seed. And if you put that seed into the ground and if you cultivate it and if you develop it, soon enough you will have a tree. But are we doing our part as Christians to feed our spirit to to seek him in prayer, to read our Bibles, to live a life of worship. The Father seeks those who worship him in spirit and in truth. Are we doing our part? Because sometimes God has a way of doing things that don't make sense to us. His way of thinking is much different and much greater than ours, though we don't always understand it, though we always don't always comprehend it. When we make a choice to trust and obey him, we set ourselves up for success. That is so important because you're here in this society. You set him up for failure. You set, him, you set her up for failure. You, you put everything in its place for them not to succeed in what they were doing. But, but God wants us to, to be set up for success. And the way we get there is to trust and to obey him. Picture this. You're going to take a road trip to the Grand Canyon or to the East Coast. You plan to drive your car thousands and thousands of miles, but you don't have a smartphone. You don't have a map. You don't have a compass for the trip. Do those things still exist? Your best friend not only has all the things that you need, has a smartphone, has a way of being getting there, knows where it's at, knows the quickest way, knows how to avoid traffic. But not only that, he knows every pothole, he knows every gas station, and he knows every good restaurant along the way. Wouldn't you want that person to come along with you on that trip? Wouldn't you want him to come along with you? But what if the single condition of this person joining you would be, I need to be in the driver's seat? Are you and I willing to give up that control. Because let's talk about the natural. There are some of us in this place that won't let anybody else drive. I have to drive. You have to drive. It is the way some of us are wired. What if the only condition to trusting and obeying him was to be in a manner of saying, you take the, you take the driver's seat. You take the wheel. There's a dilemma because it's hard for us to hand over the steering wheel. It's hard for us to give that control up. However, as a believer, the only way you can live an abundant life that God has called you to live is to fully surrender your life to him and adopt his way of doing things for you. So let's look at that. The first thing. It is an epic journey. God wants to make our lives smoother by seeing that he is Lord over everything. 
Amen. There's some of us that have been through some things in life that can testify, that can give testimony that he is Lord over everything. There is nothing that he doesn't have power over. There's nothing that he doesn't have dominion over. There's nothing that he doesn't have control over. It is only when he is in control that we can walk in the spiritual order that I talked about in week four. Anything we decide to hold on to in our relationship with him becomes our responsibility to maintain. I'll say that one more time. Anything that you decide to hold on to becomes your responsibility to maintain. But when you surrender it to God, then you don't have to worry about it because you trust him with it. I'd rather trust him with everything than than just trust him with half the things or three-fourths of the things. When we surrender every area of our life to him, he will partner with you on the journey that is life and bring us safely to our final destination. Man was created to be a worshiper, and we will worship what we value most. We will worship what we value most. In Exodus chapter 20, verses 3 through 4, God told the Israelites not to place any God before him or make any kind of idol. And what did they do? They did just that. They did just that. We may think of an idol as just a carved statue, but an idol is anything that we desire more than God. An idol is anything that we put more priority on more than God. An idol is anything that we spend time with more than God. And if we want to walk in spiritual order, God must be first. God must be first. Materialism is a common misconception when it comes to misplaced priorities in our lives. That when material things become what is most important to us, we become consumed with achieving that and with obtaining that. And that is what we put our focus on materialism, the truth is, gives the enemy an opening to attack our minds and our emotions with thoughts about what we love and about what we want. The more we have, the more it demands our attention. The more we have, the more it demands our maintenance. But the Bible says, seek first the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously and he will give you everything that you need. He will give you everything that you need. He will give you everything that you need. Every door that needs to be opened will be opened by him. And every door that needs to be closed will be closed by him. Everything that you need will be done by him. But that is the condition. I got to put you first. I have to put aside every obstacle, every weight. I have to fix my eyes on Jesus, the author and the finisher of my faith. I have to lay aside the weight and the sin that so easily comes into my life and tries to creep in and tries to maneuver itself into what I am doing and what I am thinking, and I have to fix my eyes on him and know that if I seek him first, he's going to take care of everything that I need. Uh, come on, Impact City Church. I'm giving, I'm, we're, we're looking at God's word uh, in a way that lets you live free. I don't have to do it. You don't have to do it. God is going to do it. I don't have to worry about tomorrow. He holds the seven seas in the palm of his hand, uh, and he can hold uh, my trial. He can hold my trouble. He can hold my challenge. He can oversee everything. I just have to put him first. I just have to worship him first. You're more important than anything that I do in this world. You are more important than anything. Did you know that relationships can come between you and God? It is possible. 
It can be a relationship with family. It can be a relationship with friends. It can be a relationship with coworkers. It could be a relationship with church members. It could be a relationship with neighbors. It could even be a relationship with enemies. But they can come in between us and who God wants us to be. But whether it is good or bad, they can become more important to us than our relationship with God. If we see this de depicted or portrayed in, in Genesis chapter 22, verses 1 through 18, in this passage, Abraham faces, faces a situation that doesn't seem that could be worked out on itself. It, it, he, he waited. He waited for decades and decades, and many of us know the story, for a promise to be fulfilled that he was going to be a father of many nations, but yet he was not even a father of one. That promise, that promise would soon come to pass, but it took some trial and it took some trust. And in Abraham's old age, the Bible tells us that God blesses him with a son who we know to be Isaac. The child grows, and so does Abraham's joy with it. And then one day, God tells Abraham, take your son, take your boy, the one that I, you know, the one that I've promised you for some time, the one that I've given you the one that you thought wasn't even possible. Take that one boy and take him as a sacrifice onto the altar. And you can imagine that Abraham all, had all these types of questions. You've given me this one son that I have waited all my life. I'm in my 90s, and here you are asking me to give him to you. He loved his son so much. You can imagine the, the, the care and the tenderness that goes into, man, I've waited so long to have this and I have to take care of it. But, but more than loving Isaac, Abraham trusted God. Abraham trusted God. The Bible tells us that Abraham rose early the next morning to obey God's commands. In other words, he didn't delay. He didn't try to put it up, put it off. He didn't try to renegotiate with God or to find a way out. There was no hesitation in his conduct. He had seen God move time and time again that he knew that God was up to something and God would make it right. Is there anybody in this house that has seen God move in your life? Is there anybody in this house that knows what it's like to be with your back against a wall? Is there anybody know, that knows what it's like to be caught in between a rock and a hard place? And when you least expected it, he showed up. And all of that has built trust and a confidence, not in ourselves and not in our abilities, but in the God that can do it all. All of that, Abraham had gone through so much turmoil that he said, if God is asking me to do it, I know he's going to do something good through this. So he follows through. The Bible says God saw Abraham's willingness to obey in this great moment when he ties his son up and he raises the knife. The angel stopped him and said, there is already a sacrifice pre uh, prepared for you. But God saw his willingness to put him above everything else. And it changed it changed his trajectory, and it changed his life. His descendants would be as numerous as the stars in the sky and as the sand on the shores. And we often insist on having our own way in relationships and doing it our way, not, really, not realizing that our attempts are actually causing more harm than good. That we can take our focus off of God and take these and have these relationships take inappropriate priority in our lives. 
as was true for Abraham, God's blessing can flow into our relationships when we surrender it all to him. Another principle that will allow us to have healthy relationships is staying free of offense, not being offended. Our most difficult relationships to surrender may be the ones in which there is offense and unforgiveness because before we surrender it, we want to make it right. But consider this. What if you gave up your right to be right? and instead chose to be unoffended no matter the situation? What if you gave up your right to be right and instead chose to be unoffended no matter the situation? Let that marinate for just a second. All right. So I'm going to share with you six ways to stay unoffended. Six ways. You have notes. Write these down. If you have the YouVersion app, you can add to your notes six ways. Number one, take the lowest seat. Take the lowest seat. The Bible tells us that the first shall be last, but the last shall be first. Take the lowest seat. Consider everyone. What if we considered everyone more important than ourselves? I'm here to serve you, and you're more important than I am. What if we put the needs of others before our own? What if we strive to please God first, not ourselves, not others, but put him first? Be a servant and look to honor others rather than honoring yourself. How can I serve you? How can I serve you? How can I take care of you is what drives, could drive us. The second thing, always remain grateful. Always remain grateful. That's something hard to do because not every situation really warrants us to be grateful. Not every situation really, its response is for us to be thankful and appreciative of what is happening in our lives. But the, the, the truth is that gratitude changes our attitude. Gratitude changes our attitude by keeping us aware of God's provisions and God's blessings. Amen. His, his gra our gratitude changes our attitude. 1 Thessalonians 5.18 says this, In everything, give thanks. In everything, give thanks. For this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. It's not just about the good things but it's also about the bad things. It's not just about I'm grateful for you opening this door, but I have to thank you for closing this door. It's not just about thanking him when I feel good, but it's also thanking him when I feel bad. It's not just about thanking him when there's money in the bank. It's also thanking him when I don't know how I'm going to make it. I know that he's Jehovah Jireh. He is my provider. It's not just about my emotion and my feeling. It's not just about if I had a good day or if if I feel like it, no, I have to give him thanks because he is God. It doesn't matter what happened in your world. He still holds the world in his hands. He is God. The prophet Habakkuk said, though the fig tree may not blossom, nor fruit be on the vines, though the labor of the oil may fail and the, yield, the fields yield no 
food, though the flock may be cut off from the fold and there will be no herd in the stalls, yet will I rejoice in the Lord. I will joy in the God of my salvation. Why? Because the Lord God is my strength. I'm going to be thankful and I'm going to be grateful in every moment and every circumstance for everything. I don't know what you're facing here today, but there is a reason to be grateful and there's a reason to be thankful, and that is because he is still on the throne and he still has all dominion and he's still Lord over your life. He's not just Lord over the good parts of your life, but he's Lord over your struggle. His strength is made perfect in my weakness, and I have a reason to praise him. I have a reason to glorify him. I have a reason to thank him because he is God. He is my strength. He is my strength. The third thing, give others freedom. Give others freedom. Why is that important? Because we try to control others. Try to control others. Think like me. Believe like me. Have the same values as me. The truth is I can't do it. I can't control you as much as you can't control the person sitting next to you. People need the freedom to make their own decisions. You can worry about yourself. You can worry about yourself. Paul said, I can do all things through Christ that strengthened me. He didn't say they can do all things through Christ that strengthened me or we can. He said, I can do all things through Christ that strengthened me. He said, I am persuaded that neither life nor death, nor angels nor principalities, I am persuaded that there is nothing that can separate. He didn't say they are persuaded. I can't speak for them, but I can speak for myself. I am persuaded. I can do all things through Christ. Christ that strengthened me. I can do it. I, I can, I can rise up from this. I can't say that for you. I want to say it for you, but I can't. But the truth is that you can say it for yourself. The truth is you can say it for yourself. You can raise up, you can rise up every morning and say this is the day that the Lord has made. You can make that choice. You can make your decision because the truth is I can't make them for you. Sometimes people make good ones. Sometimes they make bad ones. Sometimes they make some that are somewhere in between. Either way, it is their decision. Give people the freedom to make decisions on their own. The fourth thing, and if the worship team will come and join me, make decisions that promote life in others. That's something that I can do for you. That's something that you can do for me. Make decisions that promote life in others. When someone offends you, when someone talks about you, when someone says that you'll never amount to anything, it may seem natural to ignore the person or to pay back that wrong. I'll get you back. But Jesus says there is a better way. We can maintain a positive attitude toward them and we can choose to speak life over them and do things that build them up. I'm, I'm here to build you up. I'm here to build you up. I'm here to encourage you. And, and while I, I appreciate the fact that you come to church on Sunday and it is vital, it is my job to provide you with a word that's going to be beneficial at Tuesday at 2 in the afternoon and Thursday at 3 in the morning and when, at whatever moment in life you can choose to speak words of life 
over the person that has offended you, over the person that has wronged you, over the person that has not always believed in you, to say, you know what, I love you. I believe in you. You're going to do great things for God. You're going to do great things. Our, our, our relationship, our marriage is going to prosper. We're going to be blessed. Our family, our business, we're going to do great things in the kingdom of God. Choose to speak words of life. Because that is your part. Because how they respond is up to them. How people respond is up to them. Second to the last thing, trust God to bring justice when offense comes. We, we tend to want to take matters into our own hands, but the Bible says that vengeance belongs to him. Think about what it would be like to pay for our own sin. Think about what it would be like to pay for your own sin rather than Jesus taking care of it. None of us want what we really and truly deserve We'd rather have grace. And the last thing is, a life of surrender consists of dedicating time to God. Dedicate time to the Lord. So what that looks like is going to be different for you depending on, on your walk with Him. But you can refresh your spirit in prayer. You can plug into an impact group that we have here at this church that meet on different days of the week, at different locations, have somebody that can, that can come into agreement with you and say, I'm going to believe God to do great things in your life. Talk with Jesus. God's presence brings change. God's presence brings change. I can do things. I can, I can align some things to help you. But the truth is that it is God's presence that truly changes individuals. It is his presence. So surrender all. There are many areas of our lives that we need to surrender to God, and they include plans, they include goals, they include dreams, they include visions, they include maybe hurts, past rejection, selfishness, our ego, our sin, pride, our physical appearance, lust, anger, fear, and health. Those are things that we do need to surrender, but we must also surrender unforgiveness. Because holding on to an offense is essentially saying that we have the right to withhold grace from someone. This type of pride is an idol that will cause a wedge between God and us. Because I'm offended at you and I can't let that go. I'm, I'm driving a wedge between God and me. And, and that may be some of our stories here today. And the question, and the, what I, my urge to you is, it's not worth it. There is nothing worth standing in the way of your relationship with God. Surrendering does not mean that we no longer have goals. It does not mean that we no longer have ambitions. It doesn't mean that we don't plan. No, Paul said, let everything be done decently and in order. There still needs to be a plan. But on the contrary, we have to say, God, you know what? Let our plans align with what you have for me. And you don't have to worry about his plans being worse for you than yours for yourself. The Bible says that he knows the plans that he has for us. They're plans of good, not of evil 
to give us an expected end. But are we saying, God, I surrender my plans and I align them with yours? When we surrender everything, we'll find that his path to the fulfillment in our lives of those desires are much better than what we could have ever imagined on our own because we simply have to submit to him and join together with him and believe that what he has for us is far greater than what you could ever plan for yourself. I want to invite you to close your eyes. If in this place and in this moment, with every eye closed, every head bowed, you have not made a first-time decision to accept Jesus as your Savior, to accept Him as your Lord, that is the first step in surrendering. To say, God, I surrender it. I surrender my life to you. What you're saying is, God, I put my life in your hands. And why wouldn't you? He's the only one in this world that would send his son to die for you, just as you are. So if that is you today, with every eye closed, every head bowed, I want to invite you to raise your hand. If you want to accept Jesus as your Savior, and we're going to pray this prayer together, and we're going to believe God to do incredible and outstanding things in your life. So everyone, please join me. Dear Jesus, thank you for dying on the cross and making a way for me to come to you. I receive this gift. I ask you to come into my heart and be the Lord of my life. I give you all of me and ask you to turn my life around. Fill me with your spirit and help me live the life you died to give me. In Jesus' name, amen. Could we give God praise for everybody that this moment, this moment decided to accept it. I want to invite you to stand. I want to invite to, those, to this altar anyone that says there's something that I, I need to surrender. I need to surrender to him. If you wanna come to this altar at this moment, we're gonna enter a moment of worship. I'm gonna pray over you, and I'd love the opportunity to pray with you, to pray for you. But in our lives, there are things that we need to surrender to him. It does, it's not just the plans and the goals that you have for your life but it is the hurt that you have inside. It is the offense that you have inside. It is the resentment that has started to take residence in your heart that is affecting every area of your life and you wonder why you flip out on your kids because, and you, you flip out on your husband and your wife because there's something inside. This day, this day you can leave different than the way you came in and you can say, God, I surrender the, the past hurt. It may have happened 40, 50 years ago, but I surrender it to you and I trust you with it. So every eye closed right now. Father, we thank you. 
we thank you that you are a God that loves us. And you're a God that died to give us freedom. You're a God that cares that we don't live a life that is tied to our past. You, God, care about my living right now so much that you came to remind me today that you don't want what happened when I was a teenager or that what happened when I was a child to affect my way of living right now. God, there is freedom in you. There is freedom, God, and in this place today, we surrender past offenses. We surrender unforgiveness. We surrender hurt. We surrender rejection. We surrender it all to you. That we would be able to take a, another step towards a life of freedom in you. That we would be able to take another step of achieving a life and freedom in you, God. That there would be nothing that would stand in the way of me having a closer relationship with you. That there would be nothing that would stand in the way of me knowing you more, God. That I would be able to experience the abundant life here on earth that you called me to live. Right now, God, we put, a, we put aside every sin and every weight. We put aside every goal, every ambition, God, and we just surrender it to you because we trust you with it. We trust you with every, every, every area of our lives. We trust you with our health. We trust you with our finances. We trust you with our family. We trust you with our relationships, God. We trust you with our business, God. We trust you with our careers. We trust you with our education, God. We trust you right now for things that we cannot see, for things that we don't understand, God, but we know that you are great. We know that you, God, have all control and have all power and have all dominion. So we surrender it to you, God, and we just rest in your promises. We let go of anxiety. We let go of stress. We let go of worry. We let go of depression. We let go of oppression right now in Jesus' name, and we release the, the life-giving power, God, that solely comes from you. Right now, we surrender it to you. We surrender negative thoughts. We surrender hidden sins. We surrender bad habits. We surrender poor choices. Right now to you, God, there is freedom in this place. There is freedom in this place in Jesus' name. Right now, I declare it in every life, in every heart, and in every mind. Right now, God, I declare your freedom to be true and to be made possible through you right now. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name.